Welcome back. It is Encounter with God time here on Faith FM. We're about to get into our Bible study. We have a bunch of things we need to talk about. Okay, uh, text messages. Let's do text messages. Uh, We were talking about... um, Okay, so we are talking about these plovers earlier on. Yes. And, um, And, of course... Um, we were mentioning how that these three plover eggs are of infinite more value than to our society right now than any human being because, yeah. you know, we had no qualms about just in Queensland alone in, in a 30-week period aborting, what was it, five and a half thousand human beings. Yeah. Uh, but we are prepared to go to any effort and any expense because there are three plovers' eggs in the middle of an oval and we move, you know, the uh, the the women's um, soccer. Uh, yeah, soccer <laughs> final, grand final. <laughs> yes, it's been moved because there's three plovers eggs there, and the and the, and the oval is going to be closed for the next mm-hmm. four to five months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so somebody wanted to comment on that. And what did they say here? Let me just see. Demons are ruling in so many government departments. His hate for Christians. Oh, this one's probably in relationship to. Uh, the story about Samaritan's Purse. His hate for Christians is beyond measure. We are told that in the last days, lawlessness will abound. Satan hates even his followers to death. That is all he can really give them. Yeah, it is true. Anyway, uh, let's go to our Bible study. Where did my Bible study go? It disappeared off my screen. Bible study, come back. There is my Bible study. Back again. We're going to start in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at Jesus as their example today. So uh, this is a good place to end our Bible study this week as we look at the law of God, and as we look at the issue of obedience, we ask ourselves, okay, how did Jesus live his life? One thing that you can never, ever go wrong doing is to live your life according to the way that Jesus lived his life. And so, uh, yes, let's 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 look into that. So let's go to Luke chapter two, verse fifty-one and fifty-two. If you could read that one for us, please. Yes. So it says, "Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart." Okay, so this is a story about when Jesus was twelve. Yes. Now, twelve is about that age where you are. Kind of that crossover period between boyhood and manhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when you go for your bar mitzvah, mm-hmm. and so Jesus has been in down in Jerusalem, um, you know, to, to to celebrate the the fact that he's turning twelve and becoming a man, all that kind of thing. It can be a difficult time for teenagers. We often see teenagers who can be you know, a bit rebellious and that kind of thing. Uh, because they're trying to figure out who they are. Am I a boy? Am I a man? I don't know. I remember going through that age myself, and it can be a challenging age. Yeah. And it takes you a few years to get everything figured out and everything to settle back down. Mm. And when it all settles down, you're a completely different person, and you are suddenly independent, and you, you are your own person. It's fun to watch your kids go through it. <laughs> it is. This is all ahead of you, Renee, but uh, you will enjoy this when the time comes. <laughs> And uh, it's just, yeah, it's a very special uh, experience. Mm. But this is the age that Jesus was at. And the Bible says that he is there in the temple and he is having very robust discussions with the greatest minds of the Jewish nation. He's asking questions. He's making comments. These guys are absolutely astounded and they're trying to figure out which synagogue, which school does he come from. Now, of course, he was 
taught by his mother. And their minds are absolutely blown by this kid. Now, for a lot of 12-year-olds to be able to walk into a room where the greatest minds of your nation are gathered and to be able to throw out questions that confound them and to provide answers that blow their minds, that would very, very easily go to your head. Yeah. And you would very, very easily like, yeah, I'm somebody special. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. Yeah. You know? What does the Bible say? Jesus went back to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them and treasured all these things in his heart. What does your translation say that he was? Mine says obedient. It says he was obedient. Yeah. Obedient, yeah. yeah. So he just went back. He didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't go back to Nazareth and say, look, well, you know, hey, I'm better than everybody else. Yeah. He, didn't go back to, he didn't say, look, you know, I need to stay in Jerusalem. I'm a child protege um, and I need to stay in Jerusalem and to you know, learn under the best of the best of the best. He's like, I will obey my parents. Yeah. This is, this is the example that Jesus sets for us. And it's a really great example for, you know, young people that are 12, 13, 14, whatever, to stop and think about. Um, we have parents. God has given us parents to give us guidance and direction. And surprisingly, our parents have been around longer than we have. Yeah. My parents have been around longer than I am. Yeah. I often call my dad to ask for advice about certain things. Mm. Because he knows a lot of stuff that I don't know, and it's kind of always been that way. It can be hard, for, hard and challenging for teenagers to accept that, but that's that's how it is. And a wise person follows their parents and is obedient to their parents as their parents lead them in God's ways. And we need to have that obviously, you know, that clarification there mm. that um, as our parents lead in. God's ways. And so obedience was central to how Jesus lived his life. Obedience to God and obedience to his parents. Obedience has become a dirty word, but it's not. We don't need to be independent. We can be obedient to God and it is a pathway to success. All right. So let's we're going to we're going to look further at how this attitude in Jesus develops, where it comes from, uh, what the foundations of it are and how we can apply it in our lives because Jesus was our example in all things. Uh, the Bible study brings this out quite clearly. Uh, it makes this comment, He is not just our substitute. Jesus did not come to this earth just to be our substitute. He did not come to this earth just to provide salvation. He came to this earth to be an example. And this is why... Jesus became a human being. You think about it. Jesus, you know, our salvation cost the life of God, right? Yes. Yep. So Jesus could have come as God and died and he would have paid the penalty. Mm. It's paid, it's done. Salvation is solved. But God did not do that. God came as a human being mm. so that he could die but not just so that he could die, but also so that he could be an example for us, something that he couldn't do without being just like us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. 
You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There you go. Okay, let's stop and think about this for a moment. The Bible says that uh, Jesus was equal to God. Yeah. And in my translation, it says that he did not think it was robbery to be equal with God. He was that wasn't character, that wasn't uh, identity theft on Jesus' behalf. And so let's let's think about this then. Okay, so Jesus is God. He's one hundred percent God. He never ceases to be God. And yet the Bible goes on, and the next word it says, "But," and these small three-letter words bring so much meaning to Scripture. But is a contrast word. So now we're going to hear a contrast between Jesus, who is God, but he made himself of no reputation. Now, how much reputation does God have? Does anybody have a bigger reputation than God? No. I'm pretty sure God is, yeah. Yeah, he has the reputation for creating the world by speaking. You know, we've got some pretty reputable people in our world who have done reputable things. Yeah. Nobody's done anything close to that yet. Yes. So God has the ultimate reputation, but he made himself of no reputation. He became a human like us. Because unless he became a human like us, he's no example. You think about it for a moment. If Jesus had sort of, let's let's say that he took one step down rather than two steps down, and he came as an angel. Is it any struggle for you to believe that an angel can obey the law of God? Do you have any struggle with that? No. No, not at all. No. No. And if Jesus had come as an angel, or if God had sent one of the angels to uh, be an example to us, of what value would that example be? Not much, because as a human I would be like, you don't really get it as a like it's harder for us we're at a disadvantage exactly yeah we would we would we would be like okay god <laughs> this is good and all yeah. and we're enjoying we're enjoying watching this but yes we already knew that angels have this sorted and we already knew that angels have the ability to be obedient we don't need to know how an angel is obedient we need to know how a human being can be obedient. Mm. This is why Jesus became a human being just like us. Okay, so we've got some great uh, passages here to look at. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. And we will read verse 8. If you could read that one for us, please. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Okay, so Jesus here is learning. He's, 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 he becomes a human being so much that he has to learn as a human being. He was subject to his parents. He learnt from his parents. He was obedient to his parents. Mm. He's learning from others. This is God learning from other human beings. 
And so his experience was completely human. He, he understands exactly what we're going through because, yeah, although he was God and he put aside, it says here, his divine privileges, he was still fully God, but everything he experienced was was human. That's right. <laughs> he That's was right. at a disadvantage just as we are. He suffered, By choice. He experienced hunger. He experienced exhaustion, tiredness. You know, oh, it's just amazing. It is. And so when you think about Jesus becoming a human being and becoming just like us, it kind of, you know, it, 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 it boggles the mind as to, you know, because as you say, he was 100% God. He could have taken that divine power. He could have used it at any point. Mm. And Satan tried to get him to do so right at the very beginning. Yeah, make these, make these uh, stones into bread. You're hungry. You need deep. Like, so what, what, what would there be a problem? Why would there be a problem with it that? Doesn't, that doesn't sound like anything wrong Yes, to do. You're hungry, eat. Okay, but if Jesus did that, he ceases to be our example. Yeah, yep. And if he just turned around, used his own divine power, turned the stones to bread, had a meal, he is not our example. Because you and I can't do that. Now, Jesus did miracles. We're going to come to those miracles in just a moment. But everything he did was through the power and authority of God the Father. Absolutely. And can we do the same? Yes. And this is the point. Jesus never did anything that we cannot do. Because the same power that Jesus used is the same power that is available to, to us. us. Yes. And you think about it for a moment. You, let's think about you're going through a hard time. You're really dealing with you know, massive amounts of temptation and trials and, and things are just not going well for you. And let's say that Jesus yeah, he came to this earth and he died for your salvation, but he didn't become a human being. Right? Let's say that he never was our example. And he comes to, he comes to you, Renee, it's like, puts his arm around you, like, Renee, it's all good. It's, it's, it's okay. I'll get you through this. That's good, right? Yeah, it's nice. Thank you. <laughs> but is it different when he places his arm around you and says, I've been there. I've been through what you're going through. I've experienced it myself. I've overcome this. And so I know that you can get through. I know that I can bring you through this mm. because the Father brought me through the same thing. Yeah. Does that make a difference? A hundred percent. If anything, one is inspiring and it's great and it's lovely, but the other is like it's really empowering. It gives me strength and just it changes like what um, it just changes my thoughts, my my beliefs about like you know what I I can do this. You know, with God, we can. Yeah, all things are possible. It's a picture speaks a thousand words. It's more transformative. And God can come and speak the words and say, I can get you, I can get you through this. Mm. But when God comes and does it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but it's one of the ways that I learn. I learn things by watching other people do them. Mm. And it's there's a reason why YouTube exists. There's a reason why whenever you come across any problem in life, and I came across one yesterday, I'm like, it was a mechanical issue. How do I fix this? Huh. YouTube is your friend. Just YouTubed it and boom, there it is. Like 20 people giving you 20 different ways of doing the same thing to fix that particular problem. Watch a few of those, go give them a try, problem solved. Learn something new. But there's a difference between reading someone's description. Yes. 
of how they think you could do it and watching somebody actually do it. Big difference between those two things. Mm. And you can have every confidence in what somebody has written, like you can do it and you can do it this way and it will work. But when somebody says, okay, I've done this before, let me show you how it's done. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus was the ultimate YouTube for every problem we will ever face in our life. He came and he lived the solution so that we could see it being done. Ah, we serve an amazing God. Mm. All right, uh, where, where, where are we in Hebrews? Uh, we, yes, we just finished from Hebrews. We can go to John 8. Uh, before we go there, let's, let's, let's stay in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a song break here in just a moment. So what I want you all to do is um, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. So here's what's interesting about the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews begins all about Jesus. The whole book is about Jesus. The first chapter is all about Jesus' divinity. The second, all about Jesus' humanity. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have had somebody who's called through um, questioning the concept of humanity versus man, whether Jesus was a man or a human. I'm not sure that I understand the question, so I've asked for clarification. Uh, But I did want to point something out uh, just in preparation for that, that in the King James Version, which is the version that I'm using, and, of course, Renee is using the NLT, but the King James Version is the one that I'm using. The King James Version often refers to man. Jesus is the son of man, etc. And, you know, the, the, the uh, um, Sabbath was made for man. The word man that is used there uh, is the uh, Greek word for mankind. And mankind is simply an, an older way of saying humanity. So if you look up a definition of mankind, it simply says human beings, considered collectively the human race. So synonyms are the human race, man, humanity, human beings, humans, homo sapiens, humankind, the human species, people, men and women. Uh, so that's pretty much, you know, when you're talking about man as in mankind, uh, it's exactly the same thing as human being. And Jesus became a human being. Was he a man? Yes, he was a man. Was he a part of mankind? Yes, he was a part of mankind. He was all of these things. Mm. So just clarifying there, not quite sure whether I've uh, answered the question, um, the correct question or not, uh, but just uh, clarifying that one right there before we continue on. Where were we? We're in Hebrews 2, weren't we? Let's yes. go to Hebrews 2. Yes. Let's, oh, there's some favourite passages of mine right here. Uh, verse 11, read for us verse 11. Hebrews 2 verse... So, this, so, so, so just, so, so, sorry, before, before we go there. Uh, just reminding you, before the song, we said we we're going to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 1 is all about the divinity of Jesus. Hebrews 2 is all about the humanity. And today's Bible study, we're talking about the humanity of Jesus and the example that he sets for us. Mm. Okay, go for it. Okay, Hebrews 2 verse 11. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Okay, so Jesus and us have the same Father. Who is that? God the Father. God the Father. The Bible says we're all made one. So we all become brothers and sisters with Jesus. Jesus could never be our brother. He could never be our brother if he was a level above us. I see. He could only be our brother if He's on the same level of us, of level as us. The angels are not 
our brother. Mm. But because Jesus became a human being like you and I, he becomes our brother. The Father is not our brother. Jesus is our brother. It's oh, kind of an interesting statement. I have to cogitate on that one for a bit. I got Renee scratching yeah. head on that one. <laughs> yeah, stretch it to my mind a little. Yeah. Anyway, mm. we'll leave that one at that for the moment. <laughs> Might do some more cogitating on it. And come back to it. But the Bible nowhere describes God the Father as our brother, but it describes Jesus as our brother in many places because Jesus became a human being. Oh, yeah. Interesting thought. Uh, let's continue on. Let's read verse fourteen. Verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings made out of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Okay, so here's uh, highlights one of the points that is really important here. If Jesus had come as God, he couldn't actually die because divinity cannot die. And Jesus' divinity never did die. It was his humanity that died. And that's a bit of a mystery. I don't know how that works. Sounds like he could. Physiologically. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like he could have like, he could have stopped his own death, but he literally chose to die. That's right. He could have done. At any time he, he could have said, yeah, I'll just take 10 legions of angels to take me down off the cross right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could have done. He chose not to. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see what other verses we got here. Let me, ooh, by the, verse 15, and deliver those who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to slavery. For truly he did not take on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. And I can think that kind of summarizes a lot of what I've been saying right here. If Jesus had come as an angel, it would have meant nothing to us. It's like we already know how angels know how to obey the law of God and how to, how to live. Angels don't need that example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need the example and we need it from a human being, not from an angel. Yeah. And so Jesus came and did that. Uh, verse 17. Verse 17. Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Okay, so how much in, in how much was he made like us? What does the Bible say? In all things. Everything. He was made yeah. like us in everything. He became a human being like you and I. A man. Like you and I. Like us. Mankind, I should say. Yeah. Um, then in verse 18 it comes to this one. I think this is we, we already commented on this one a little bit before too. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help those that are tempted. And this is key right here because, as we said before, if God had never come down to our level and then when we go through pain and suffering and trial and temptation and he came down and he's like, put his arm around us and said, yep, I can get you through this, we can, we can believe him. But when Jesus comes down and says, I know I can get you through this because I have been through it myself and I have gained the victory and I can and we can see that he's done so, that's a whole nother level of being able to believe and trust in what God says. Yeah. That's a whole level again. And the human experience is quite messy. You go through things, it's not perfect, right? And for someone to come and clean it up 
you kind of feel like, oh, I'm, I'm so gross. I'm like, I'm such a, like, I make mistakes all the time. But for God to understand our mess and to sit there in that uncomfortableness, in that space, it's, it just speaks to his character and really confirms that God is love. God does love us and he is for us and he doesn't leave us nor forsake us. Absolutely. Let's go back to our Bible study and let's go to John chapter 8. There's some really good uh, passages over here in John that uh, really go well with this study. The first one I'm going to look at is John chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father has taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what he pleases him. Okay, so how much of his own stuff did Jesus do? He said nothing that he does. Is for nothing. Him. Absolutely nothing of his own. And this is key right here. Jesus at no point did that. And then, of course, um, if you go to John chapter 14, he says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do, and greater than these, because I go to my Father. That's the promise that is right there available for you and I. There is nothing that Jesus did that we cannot do through God's power. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And it is now time for... Question of the Day. Does Jeremiah 30 verse 7 teach that the righteous will not go through tribulation? Okay, Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7. This is a very... this is a, this is a subject that kind of blows my mind. Revelation 30 and verse 7. Uh, there's a, there's a, a very popular teaching in the world in the last 100 years that the righteous don't go through the tribulation. And really what this is an expression of uh, the level of peace that Christians have faced in the last 100 years. Mm. Uh, peace for Christians and lack of persecution for Christians is an aberration of history. Uh, for the vast majority of history, Christians have faced, and God's people in general, going all the way back, have faced tremendous amounts of persecution. And suddenly, after a hundred years of lack of persecution, they're like, oh, God loves his people too much. He would never, ever allow them to go through the tribulation. Where did that come from? Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, the Bible says, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. The Bible says there'll be a time of trouble such as never was. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. And so people say, there you go, the righteous will be saved out of the time of Jacob's trouble, which is another way of describing the great tribulation at the end of time. Okay, so the great tribulation at the end of time is like Jacob's time of trouble. Jacob's time of trouble was when he wrestled with the angel. Uh, when the angel turned up to wrestle with Jacob, was Jacob just sort of miraculously whisked away? No. No. Did Jacob receive no pain from that? No. No. He had a night of wrestling and in the morning his uh, leg was out of joint and he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. He kind of if you're going to use the time of Jacob's trouble to say that you escape out of the tribulation is kind of the wrong example to use. <laughs> like really badly so. Yes. I wanted you also to notice here that in this verse, uh, the Bible does not say that he will not go through it, but he will be saved out of it. Let me ask this question. Was Noah saved out of the flood? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Did he see the flood? Yes, he did. Did he feel it? Absolutely. Did he hear it? Absolutely. Did he get seasick? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but quite possibly. Was he saved? Yes, he 
Yes, indeed. And this is the point right here. There's a difference between tribulation and wrath. God's people don't face the wrath of God, but they certainly go through a period of tribulation. And this is, the, this is, this is what you find in every passage of the Bible that deals with this subject. So Matthew chapter 24, for instance, begins with false Christs, then wars, famines, earthquakes, then great tribulation of the believers, then the gospel preached to all nations, then astronomical signs, then the return of Christ, and the believers being taken to heaven. That's the order you find in Matthew 24. That's also the order you find in Mark chapter 13. That is also the order you find in Luke 17 and Luke 21. That's also the order you find in Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 14, etc., etc. This is the order that you find in Scripture. Jesus prayed an interesting prayer in John chapter 17 and verse, uh, where are we, 15. I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil. God did not say that we would be taken out of the world. God said, no, he will protect us in the world. God's wrath will not be poured out upon us, but will, be, will we see and be affected by the tribulation? Absolutely. Uh, one more verse very quickly. This is Revelation chapter 16. And let me see here, verse, uh, verse 15. In the middle, in fact, right at the end of the plagues, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watch and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see him see his shame. Six plagues have already fallen. The rapture has not yet taken place, and the righteous are still on earth, according to Revelation 16 and verse 15. This is a doctrine that the righteous being taken out of the tribulation and being raptured to heaven, it's not one you'll find in the Bible. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.